It's the Locked On Aggies Podcast, presented by Locked On Podcast Network, talking all things Texas A&M. Now, here's your host, Cole Thompson. Howdy, everybody, and welcome into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson still here in the driver's seat, talking all things Texas A&M and getting you ready and excited for the 2019 Academy Sports and Outdoors Texas Bowl, where your Texas A&M fighting Aggies will take on Oklahoma State, the Cowboys, number 25 in the nation, in the fourth largest city in America. That game will be featured on ESPN 545 kickoff. We will hopefully be there live to go get all the press information, everything that you need to know about Locked On, everything you need to know about AM, everything you need to know about Oklahoma State, all those involved. We will hopefully be in attendance giving you the best quality information you can have. Before we go any further, make sure you're following us on social media. Again, it's three easy sites. One, at Locked On Aggies. Two, at Aggies SI. Remember, Sports Illustrated's Aggie Maven and the Locked On Podcast Network have partnered together to give you another element towards looking at Texas A&M. So you can check all of our great work at si.com slash T-A-M-U. And last but not least, if you want to follow me on social media, it's really simple. It's at Mr. Cole Thompson. I'm a Mr. I'm Cole Thompson. That's my name. Don't wear it out. All right, so today's show is going to be a little different. I did Asking Aggies early this week because tomorrow we have a very special guest coming on the show to talk about some of the potential Aggies leaving for the NFL. Jordan Reed, senior writer at the Draft Network. He also is the co-host of Locked on College Football, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, will be here with us tomorrow to break down some of the stats, some of the storylines surrounding those players. So today... We're going to do Asking Aggies, and we're going to give you a brief history of the rivalry between Oklahoma State and also Texas A&M. Before we dive into that, let's get some news out of the way. There's been a lot of reports in the recruiting circle. I know we never talk about recruiting on here, but guess what? Today we will. That Damon Damas, who is one of the nation's leading receivers, he did not play this year due to academic ineligibility, due to his transfer that he actually had in Houston. He went to go play for another high school. The school that he originally was at denied his request to play athletics. He would sit out this year, and because of that, a lot of people thought maybe he would decommit from Texas A&M. Last night, he posted on social media that he is Aggie loud and Aggie proud. He will be part of of the A&M 2020 recruiting class. That is a big get when you look at the future. Him and Anaya Smith are probably going to be the two guys to look at as the future of the program, hopefully with Zach Calzada or whoever they have coming in at quarterback to lead the charge. Probably during the 2021 season would be probably more beneficial, just waiting to see who else would be either coming back or who would be leaving for the NFL. We're trying to figure all that out. But anytime you can win in the recruiting game, that is a big get for your program. So Damon Damas is going to be a part of that program. He's going to definitely help out AM and be the next hopeful great wide receiver, such as the next Mike Evans or Christian Kirk, to boost their stock playing at AM and Aggieland and getting towards that high draft pick in the NFL draft. Come whatever year he goes. That would probably be 2024 or 2025. Either way, that's the that's the main goal for him. And that'd be a huge get for AM as well. So Damon Damas. We can count on you. We know you're going to be a part of the program, and we're very excited. All right, let's take a quick look at what we have seen from both these squads, not just over the past year or so, but since 1996. 
That was the very first year that Texas A&M and Oklahoma State were members of the Big 12 Conference together, making their matchups a yearly tradition, whether that be in Stillwater, Oklahoma, or College Station in Texas. This will be the 28th meeting between the two schools in program history. Their first meeting would come in 1913 up in Stillwater where the Cowboys would get the first win of the series with a 3-2-0 victory. Charlie B. Moran was the head coach of the A&M Aggies. Paul J. Davis was the head coach for Oklahoma State. The next year in College Station, A&M would recap and refire. They would get a 24-0 win. The two schools wouldn't play again until 1919 where the A&M Aggies would go on a three-game win streak over the next three years. 1919-28-0. The following year, 35-0 A&M. And the next year, 23-7. Wouldn't play for another 19 years. The two schools would then meet up back in College Station, uh, would meet up in Stillwater, Oklahoma, 32-0 A&M. This would be uh, Homer Norton versus Edwin M. Jim Lookabob. Next time the two schools would play would be in 1952 in Dallas, Texas, under the direction of Raymond George and Jennings B. Whitworth, nicknamed Ears, 14-7 A&M victory. But in two years following, the Cowboys would respond with a 14-6 victory. Same coaches, but Paul Bear Bryant and the Junction Boys. Any of you know anything about A&M, you know about the Junction Boys. You know the history of them. Would face, of course, against Oklahoma State getting that loss. The two schools wouldn't meet up again until 1981 in Shreveport, Louisiana at a bowl game where A&M would get the 33-16 victory. From there, 1983, back in College Station, Texas, Jimmy Johnson would take over for the Cowboys, leading them to a 34-15 victory. Four years later, back in Stillwater, another big win for the Pokes, 52-15. Pat Jones versus Jackie Sherrill. And then in 1996, the Big 8 would move into the Big 12. Colorado, Texas A&M, Nebraska, and Missouri would join the conference, making the Big 8 and now 12, and the two schools would meet up on a regular basis. And for a while, it kind of did look like A&M was going to take control. From 1996 all the way up until 2000 and, yeah, 2001, every single season under R.C. Slalom. Uh, R.C. Slalom was, yeah, the coach every single year. A&M won. 1996, first game, 38-19. Next year, 28-25 in College Station. Back in Stillwater, Oklahoma, 17-6. Then you have 21-3 in College Station. After that, 21-16 back in Stillwater. 2001, 21-7, Les Miles, the head coach. Then here comes Oklahoma State and the emergence of Miles before he would go travel towards LSU. 20 he would go 28-23 in Stillwater. Next year, 38-10 in College Station. Dennis Francois had taken over as the head coach, but AM comes back. 36-20 next year in 2005. 62-23 after that. 34-33 AM next year. 24-23. Close games. And then from 2008 until the leaving of the program in 2011, Oklahoma State would win four straight against AM. Big time wins for Mike Gundy, big time wins for the program. AM would leave in 2012 for the SEC, and the two schools have not met since. Maybe that could be a little bit of a line to where AM is the downside, even though they are favored by almost nine and a half points. They could be 
on the lesser side because of Gundy knows the program. In fact, Gundy spoke very highly of AM. He was a big proponent of them being a part of the Big 12. He's not uh, he's not happy that they left in the first place. He loved the program. He loved the Big 8. He's been a part of that style for many, many years. So overall, maybe this could be something that AM has to prove against themselves in order to get to the right level. When we come back in a couple quick seconds, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the programs since leaving the Big 12. And was it worth AM in the first place to go join the SEC? And how Mike Gundy, who has been the head coach at Oklahoma State for 15 seasons, how he's done transforming the Cowboys into a somewhat contender on a regular basis into a powerhouse program that is up to that same level of Texas and Oklahoma in the Big 12 in just a quick moment. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Cole Thompson still here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, if you're not checking out all of our great podcasts at the Locked on Podcast Network, what are you doing with your life? We have college basketball, we have bowl games coming up, and we have over two dozen shows presented by the college football program that you're going to want to listen to. Over two dozen different shows that you can listen to, including my counterpart at Oklahoma State. So make sure you download and listen to Locked On Pokes, and make sure you're also listening to all of our great content at LockedOnPodcast.com. As we mentioned before, Texas A&M would leave... The Big 12 in 2011 for grandeur motive to go towards the SEC. They believed that they could hang with the big boys out in SEC country. You know, you looked at some of the teams that had won over the past decade from the conference, the national championships. You have Auburn, you have uh, Alabama has won four, Florida, LSU. Now you're looking at this year, LSU still is back in the college ball conversation. They could close out the decade with another big time win for the conference, and I want to be a part of that. So four schools actually ended up leaving in the 2012 season, if I'm not mistaken. I believe it was four. I know for sure it was two, but yeah. So in 2011, you saw Nebraska leave for the Big Ten. In 2011, you also saw Colorado leave for the Pac-12. And in 2012, you saw Texas A&M and Missouri leave for the SEC. Meanwhile, since the move, people have questioned for a long time, was it worth it for Texas A&M? Was it worth them not finishing the season off in a conference where they were able to be pretty successful, maybe contend on a regular basis, not really have to worry about what they've done? Well, overall, I think it's really hard to complain about what they've done in the SEC because they found ways to win, even though there have been a few seasons where they haven't had the best overall record. When you look at the SEC, they've never had a losing season since joining the conference. 11-2 the first year under Kevin Sumlin with a win in the Cotton Bowl. Next year, 9-4 season, Johnny Manziel's last year, tied for 7th in conference play. They would get the win in the Chick-fil-A Bowl. Next year, Liberty Bowl win, 8-5 season. Actually, three straight years under Kevin Sumlin, 8-5 season. They'd get uh, they'd win two of their bowl games. They, I mean, they'd lose two of their bowl games, the Music City and the Texas Bowl. So they actually finished with an 8-4 and four record the year before they finished with a 7-5 and five record. Then to close out the Kevin Sumlin era, they finished 6-6, six and 6-7-5 six, uh, six, and five with a loss in the Belk Bowl. First year under Jimbo Fisher, they went 8-4 and four during regular season play, then got the win in the Gator Bowl over Wake for, uh, over NC State. That would move them to 9-4 and four on the year, and this year they finished 7-5. and five. Kind of a down year, but overall, 
Every single season A&M has played in the conference, they have been able to contend at least somewhat. They finished as high as fifth in conference play. They finished as low as, I mean, high as third, actually, last year with Jimbo Fisher, as low as eighth. So they've always been a top half team in the conference. And it may take a few more years to get to that level of Alabama and get to that level of Florida and Georgia, but they're finding ways to win even though they're not winning every single game. Meanwhile, that team in 2011, the final year of the A&M versus uh, Oklahoma State rivalry, the Cowboys actually won the Big 12 Conference. That was the first that was the first time under Gundy that they would win it, and it's the last time they've won it. Since then, the Cowboys have been, again, one of those programs that's not going to contend for a national title every single season, but you can't count them out of the Big 12, and you certainly can't count them out of a New Year's Six Bowl. 2012, first year without A&M, an 8-5 season, they'd win the Heart of Dallas Bowl. Next year, 10-3 season, they would lose in the Cotton Bowl. Year after that, in the Cactus Bowl, 7-5 regular season, they would, 6-6 uh, six six regular season, my bad, they would get that win moving on to 7-6 and six to close up the year with a 500 record. Next three seasons, big-time wins for Gundy. Double-digit wins, 10-win seasons. He would lose one game, the Sugar Bowl, and that would be to Ole Miss with all that talent that was supposed to transform the NFL. They had the team with Robert Kimdichi, the team with, um, with Laquan Treadwell, with Laramie Tunsil. It was that team. That was the team that Hugh Freeze was expected to bring in and contend for a title the next year. So you can't really blame, I guess, Gundy for that. That was a game where a lot of people thought they were going to win pretty big and pretty substantially. They just weren't able to get the ball rolling. They'd win the next two, though. They'd win the Alamo Bowl and they'd win the Camping World Bowl. And last year, they finished with a 6-6 and six record during the regular season, winning the Liberty Bowl. Overall... Both programs have been consistent. That is the best way to put these two into words. They finished the season off with pretty quality wins here and there. They've won the games they were probably supposed to win. And they've had some struggle losses. These two schools match up pretty evenly when you're looking at the programs. And Gundy and Fisher are two of the more respected coaches in college football, in my opinion. I see both these programs not just putting up a good fight, but also showing why they're consistently ranked in the top 25. I mean, you got to look at what A&M and what, um, what you've seen Oklahoma State do over the years. Since 2011, when the... Cowboys finished with the number three team in the nation. They've been ranked in the top 25 four seasons to close out the year. 17th in 2013, 19th in 2015, 11th in 2016, 14th in 2017. Meanwhile, you look at A&M, same thing. Since joining the SEC, they finished as high as number five, and they've closed out the year as, high, as, low, as, number six, as low as number 16. They've been ranked three times. Last year, they were ranked 16th under Jimbo Fisher to close out the year with a 9-4 record. This year, they're unranked. But again, you saw, you heard yesterday that Gundy has a high respect for this AM team. He called them the best 7-5 team in the history of college football. When you get a compliment like that, 
you take it with a grain of salt because if you know you're better than a 7-5 team, but then when you hear you're a top 20 program, maybe you can lean back and go, okay, I get what he means by that. We're a good program and we're on the rise. We just got to finish that race. We just have to get a little further along the way. And if we do that, we're going to contend big time. Not only contend in our conference, but contend for a national title. And I think that that's more so what Gundy meant. Not that he's throwing shade. Oh yeah, they're a 7-5 and five team, but they're the best one of all time. I take it more so as you can say they're 7-5, and five, but take one look at their record, who they played, how they played against these teams, and where those teams are playing for bowl games. Two of them are playing in the college ball playoff. Let's just get that out of the way. Two of them are in the college ball playoff, and if Tua Tungavailoa doesn't get injured, maybe three of them are in the playoff. Maybe Alabama comes in at number four. I don't know. What I do know, though, is that A&M is, is very much a top 25 program. When we go ahead and talk about Texas A&M, we like to get your opinions on things, and that's why we have this segment called Asking Aggies. It's the part of the show where I list off questions that I get answered on Facebook, Twitter, on social media, private messaging, whatever it is, and we're going to go ahead and break down some of your favorite questions, deciding the bowl games, and deciding Oklahoma State as well in just a quick moment. Guys, if you're a Spotify listener, use Spotify Wrapped to show us your top Locked On podcast for the year. Take a screenshot and tag us at Locked On Live with the host or show's Twitter account on social media, and we will share and retweet your favorite thoughts on the best Locked On podcast of the year. Locked On Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M, getting you ready for the 2019 Academy Sports and Outdoors Texas Bowl. That game will be played on December 27th. Game will be televised live on ESPN as part of the ESPN coverage of college football. Overall, I am very pleased with the location of the game. I don't have to travel that far. I live in Houston. I get to go just come up there. It's not like I have to go to College Station again. I get to stay pretty much at home, get to see my family, get to be here for Christmas with the people that I really care about, and that's something that matters so much to me around the holiday season. But, you know, when you work in sports, it's part of the grind. There are days that you just do not have a day off. In fact, really in sports, you don't have any days off. You sometimes take vacation days, but you really still are always working, especially if you hear an update of something. But when you stay at home in the Texas Bowl, a 7-5 team, yeah, I think you can be a little more pleased with that. Speaking of 7-5 and five, and speaking of questions about this team, that's what Asking Aggies is for. It's the part of the show where I answer questions about the game, about where what I think of thoughts uh, that you, about the program, where this team is headed, whatever you want to know. Let's get this thing started with Devin. Devin asks, are you pleased with the bowl selection of Texas A&M? No, I don't think so. I don't think anybody should be pleased with finishing with a 7-5 and five record. But when you look at the location and you look at how you can sell out a stadium, keep in mind, College Station is less than 80 miles away from downtown Houston. There are a ton of fans. There's a bar in Midtown called Pub Fiction. Giving you a shout out, Pub Fiction. So if you ever see me, make sure you let me get a drink. They're the A&M bar. That place is filled consistently on game days with AM fans. I have several friends from high school who went to AM that go watch the game there weekly. 
that is the type of program A&M is. And to play in Houston and sell out your stadium, have all your fans be gearing up and ready to go, they don't have to travel. Yeah, they get to stay at home. And it helps winning recruiting. I'm not happy that AM isn't playing in a game like the Outback Bowl or the Gator Bowl again. Or even the Liberty Bowl. Because if you know what, it's a new location. It's great for the players. A lot of these guys end up actually coming from the Houston area. So they're just pretty much going home. You shouldn't be happy about that part. But what you can be happy about is that this is also a great time for recruiting. And this is a great time for Jimbo Fisher to step up and get a couple more guys to add to a very impressive recruiting class overall. Next question comes from Lee. Do you think this is Kellen Mond's last start? No, I do not. No, I do not. And if it's his last start, it's his last start and he's transferring, he's not going to the NFL draft. Uh, Earlier this week, I believe it was Monday, he wrote an encrypted message saying that he was pretty much confirming he was coming back for his senior season A down year in 2019 really hurt his draft stock. I've spoken to two regional scouts. Both said he had the highest a sixth-round draft grade. If you can come back in a quarterback class where I truly believe is wide open still, you're going to have Justin Fields in the conversation. Maybe Jacob Eason if he doesn't leave for school and he pulls a Justin Herbert. You're going to have Trevor Lawrence, of course. Outside of that, anyone can really step up and boost their draft stock. It was this year that I worried about quarterbacks, specifically a guy like Mond, going towards the NFL draft a little too early. If you lose out on that draft stock and you miss your senior season where you can build and grow and thrive, it's hard to imagine A&M doing anything without Mond next year. Calzada, I think, is going to be a good quarterback. and It's going to be interesting to see how they play him. It's going to be interesting to see if they give him equal reps against Mond. But then at that point, I could see him being a Kelly Bryant situation where Kelly ended up leaving before his eligibility was too late. He would transfer to Mizzou. He would sit out for the remainder of the 2018 season to save that year. And now I think there's at least a draft eligible grade, maybe around seven. But before that, you had no idea what he was going to be. Probably undrafted. Probably having to change positions. A lot of different things could have been the storyline there. But now we know that he's going to be back. So I, I personally think that Kellen Mond is going to be back one more time. Next question comes from Loretta. Actually, that's my grandma's name. So if this is my grandma asking, that would be really funny. There's no way this is her. Um, who do you trust more, Jimbo Fisher or Mike Gundy's mullet? Good question. Um, I love Gundy's mullet. I, I'm just going to be blatantly honest. I think it's the best hair in football. I think that that also boosts his draft, his you know coaching status. Personally, he's a funny guy. He's open. He's honest. But so is Jimbo. I, I you look at these two titans in the pro in their programs, and both very well respected in the college football world for different reasons. One being just such a hard nosed kind of guy. The other one being one of the best quarterback transforming type of type of talent. You know we we've seen what. Jimbo's been able to do with players at the college level. They maybe don't transfer to the NFL as well, but you still can't deny he has two number one overall picks that he's worked with. He also has another first rounder in Christian Ponder. These are two guys very well respected. I trust that 
you look at what Oklahoma State has done this year and how they've relied on their run game with Chubba Hubbard, if he doesn't play, that is a big loss for Oklahoma State, and I think that, that could be why AM is favored so heavily right now. Where on AM side, a majority of players are expected to play. Uh, but I, I trust Jimbo Fisher. You know, he knows how to recruit number one. He knows exactly what he know what he needs to get out of this team. And every single game I've seen him this season, he's been frustrated, but he hasn't let his team quit. Maybe LSU in the fourth quarter. He's like, I'm done. But at that point, you're going up against the Heisman Trophy winner. You're going up against uh, a dude who literally has broken every single SEC record in a single season. You're not winning the game. So just call it broke and call it a day. That's just my personal opinion. I'll get one more in here. Uh, who do you think wins this game? And does this mean more? Does this win mean more for Oklahoma State or does it mean more for Texas AM? I personally think that this win is more important for AM to get. I'm not going to tell you who wins this game because we still have two weeks worth of coverage to go with, but I'm not going to tell you who wins. What I am going to say is that AM needs this win because of with the greater Houston area having a ton of talent and players looking to join a program in the SEC. LSU is going to be recruiting hard. Alabama is going to be recruiting hard. If you win Houston, you're going to win a lot next season. So that's why I think AM needs to win this game to show recruits, hey, we are a good program and we are ready to contend. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Locked on Aggies at Aggies SI. You can check out all of our great work at SI.com slash T-A-M-U and follow me on Twitter at Mr. Cole Thompson. My name is Mr. Cole. I am last name Thompson. It's that simple. Don't wear it out. Tomorrow, Jordan Reed, senior draft analyst for the Draft Network and also host of Locked on College Football will be joining us to break down some of the players who could be leaving for the NFL Draft. This has been Locked on Aggies. We will see you at the same time tomorrow. And remember, gig them, y'all. This has been Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network.